0: Camel boots on my feet Bow in my hand Walking in the early dawn To climb up in my stand Hunting off the farm Wishing on some
1: love i been on a big boy For a while I could load him In the back of my Hornady presents American Roots Outdoors With Alex Rutledge And his friends I'm the Red Bull Mike Crace. Alex joins us From his studio at home Where he's been busy In the turkey woods uh, Earlier today And of course We're recording this On Thursday by the way And uh, Alex has been Out in the woods Doing some turkey hunting And Wayne uh, He's just been admiring His craftsmanship On his chicken house <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm sitting back. I I need to. I should have made the front porch on that just a little bit bigger. I could have actually used it.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's more picture of that chicken house than any other chicken house in the history of the world. <laughs>
0: it's the fanciest chicken house in the Ozarks. I'm,
1: it I'm is. Gonna, it is. It ought to be in a magazine or something. Yeah,
0: you know, I've had actually quite a few people on Facebook tell me the same thing. I need to be submitting it to magazine covers.
1: Well, I'll I tell you,
0: something with it.
1: It puts my It'll chicken house another, to shame.
0: Uh, check. Maybe another chicken. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's what they'll send me. They'll send me more freaking chicken. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it puts my chicken house to shame because I used the old the tin on the roof and and I haven't painted the siding yet. So. Uh, and it's been together for four years. So that's where, my, that's where well, I your go.
0: Chickens are, your, your chickens are country chickens. Wayne's chickens are city chickens. Well, because that can be a bit of an cross issue. The street, according to, to Wayne. And now I tell you, we live across the road, <laughs> but he did get uh, Linda did get me some uh, uh, three roosters that are country. So that are country. So we're hoping that the twenty four baby city chickens we have will they'll get a little country in them.
1: Oh, well, there you go, <laughs> there you go. Hey, as long as they can, as long as your country roosters can understand the slaying of the uh, uh, city hens, you'll be all right.
0: Right, and they are COVID nineteen free, by the way. Oh, that's <laughs> good. Know.
1: Oh, well, that's good. All right, so, Alex, let's, let's talk a little bit about, uh, uh, you know, I know you've been hunting this week and what, what's going on out there in the turkey woods. I'm not seeing a whole lot of pictures on social media of people killing turkeys.
0: Well, uh, Redbone, the, the, the issue is this weather's crazy. It jumps up and down, rain, cold weather. And the gobblers have actually been end up for a couple three weeks here in southern Missouri, and I took a good friend saying for that Monday and Tuesday. We only hunted a couple hours each morning, and we heard four or five turkeys, but the turkeys we got on, we couldn't get close enough to them to work them. So normally I could drag a turkey 200 yards to me to the gun. You've got to get within 100 yards to 80 yards of them on the roost because when they're hitting the ground, they're shutting up. And no matter what calls you throw at them, they've got so many hens with them. Unless you can find the gobblers or gobblers in groups, one of them will break away. But you've got to stay with them and not over and push them. And the way to stay with them right now is hear them drumming.
1: So, Alex, what is it people have to do? I mean, to get close to these birds? I mean, to get them to come in, what, what do we have to do?
0: Well, the problem we're facing, I said a little bit earlier, we've got open, open woods right now. There's not a lot of undergrowth and you've got to get as close as you can to these gobblers. 100 yards to 80 yards of them on the roost, and, and call very, very light. And what happens is if you call aggressive or too loud, or even if you do call low and the hens don't want to be social, they're hitting the ground, they're leaving, and they're calling the hens. Now, if you can get that gobbler fired up once he hits the ground, a lot of times you can pull him from the hens sometimes, not all the time. Stay with them call very sparingly, stay with them, and you can hear them drumming, and stay with these turkeys. And it may take you until noon sometimes to kill a turkeys like it's end up. So that's the secret to them right now. What we run into, we couldn't move because all of Zane's timber was wide open. Mm. You have a turkey gobbled 200 yards, he can see 300 yards. You know what I mean? Sure. So it's hard to move on these turkeys, and that's what's making them so tough. Now, some of the guys that has killed turkeys, or turkeys that sound like or whatever, that's running in groups that's broke away or whatever. Uh, And some of the people that are killing turkeys with hens are doing exactly what I'm saying. They're just calling sparingly and staying with them until they get the deal done. And and you can't even go to the uh, strut zones right now because I I checked two of our strut zones I have on my property, and they're they're not even in those strut zones yet. I I think they're following the hens, but they're not actively breeding them. At least that's what I'm seeing when I'm reading the signs is because... A lot of times, if you can't get them off the roost, the next thing you would do is move to a strut zone, try and catch them when they work their way over there. They're breeding them because I've seen single hens by themselves to slam eggs. Oh, okay. Well, I don't so, know why so, they're not yet yeah. our zone so, What it is, it's just, I think the weather keeps them up and down. Uh, you go one morning, you may hear 10 turkeys, and if you are, you're very fortunate here in the Ozarks. Yeah. Uh, and you go the next day, you may hear two in the same area. Those turkeys move, and, and if they're content, they will not gobble Wayne. Right they got everything they need right there. they got all the girlfriends they want. So it's, it's hard to gobble. Right, and it's hard to beat a live decoy like that. I mean, you can't pull them away from something that's still breathing and strutting around in front of them. That's
1: right. Well, so is there anything in the arsenal, Alex, that will, will pull those hens to you? Because it sounds like that, that would be a key, pulling the hens to you, and the gobblers would follow.
0: Here's the key. If you can start a conversation with a hen, and she goes, Starts calling back to you, do exactly what she's doing, but do not try to call any louder than her uh, un- unless she goes to calling loud. Then you call loud too. But strike her interest and create curiosity between you and her, and you can drag her sometimes, and the goblins will follow. Yeah, that's how I got my uh, Tom two years ago in Ohio. I could not get the Tom to leave the hens. So when I realized which hen was acting like the boss hen, every time she would start yelping, I would cut her right off. Mm-hmm. And then she got a little louder. I got louder, and I just kept cutting her off. Finally, it just kicked her off enough that she's like, wait a minute, I'm going to go there and kick some butt. Yeah. And she came right through, walked, I got great footage, too. She walked 15 yards right in front of my gun barrel, and Tom followed right behind her, his mistake. It's the same way with a golfer, though and to our listeners. You start a conversation with a gobbler and you can control him, communicate with him, uh, he gobbles. You use the same tone, but you may need to to call with emotion, a little bit more excitement. Once you get him to get double gobble, triple gobble, and you make him gobbling on his own, you're controlling him. Then you make him look for you, and what you do is you're trying to strike that nerve to create that conversation to make the turkey seek you, whether it's a hen or a gobbler.
1: Sounds to me like it's going to be uh, maybe a, a season where you need to be hunting with an inexperienced and a really good turkey caller to, to have an opportunity. Because uh, those of us that are novice and not very good callers, it doesn't sound like we got much of a chance.
0: Well, you do have a chance. and The thing is, you just got to be on your toes and and, and be woods-wise and don't make foolish mistakes. If you can find these strut zones right now the way the birds are acting, that's the best way to be successful. Going to set up, use a hen and a jake decoy. Uh, a lot of your strutting decoys won't work right now, especially... If the gobblers are not very social, meaning they're not aggressive, and if they see another strut and decoy, they'll go the other way. So the Jake decoys half strut, and the hen is the key decoys right now. I love the I love the Jake half strut. That's mm-hmm. the one. I I got a Jake decoy I made myself with my oh. Jake fan in that, and um, I think. I like that better because they don't feel as intimidated unless, of course, they've been beat up by some jakes. Mm-hmm. Because you get these group of jakes, they'll beat up the big old Tom and know, and then it'll make him shy. But uh, don't be afraid to change calls. You know, if, if you're a slate caller and you're not getting them to come in, you're not getting them to respond, switch up. That's why we make a variety of calls. Right. So you never know. A certain call might strike that nerve to make that turkey respond. That's why I try a box call, two call, three or four different diaphragms, uh, Slate call, Evelyn, Margaret, and a glass call, the new one, Maureen. Right? So I've got a entourage of calls with me. I can sound like a big party going on over, like different <laughs> ends, And they do know a difference in the tones and the pitch. And if you can't change your call, Redbone, another thing you can do is change your striker. Mm-hmm. You know, pull out a different striker. Every striker has its own, will release its own kind of sound. Move your position on your, di- on your excuse me, not diaphragm, your slate call instead of uh you know striking your yelp in the center of the call move it to the edge cuz it changes the tone of that call great point
1: mm-hmm. all right good point all right we need to go to break guys we'll come back we'll talk more turkey hunting here on American Roots Outdoors presented by Hornady Ammunition we'll be back in a minute
0: right here right now this is Chance Walters listening to American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge the Ozark herd bull here after year Dama. Presents. Welcome back to American Roots Outdoors. Your host, Alex Rutledge, in the studio here, my home studio. Mister Wayne Locken on the line in the main studio at K Country ninety five is Redbone Mike Grace. On the line, we have a special guest, director of evangelism and our ministry at American Roots Outdoors, Brother Chris Owensby from Grenada, Mississippi, a successful turkey hunter. He's tagged two different gobblers right now, Wayne in mississippi and he's self-filming this guy's got a little bit of knowledge he's gained and uh, we're going to pick his brain today welcome to the show brother chris hello alex and wayne ritmo it's good to be with all of you hello everybody what's the weather doing in mississippi right now well, right now it's kind of cool very breezy and we've had a lot of thunderstorms and things in you know in recent days with this. Challenging weather patterns that had some power outages, but we're, we're doing better now. So I'm enjoying the cool because it won't be too long before Mississippi it'll be it'll be hot. <laughs>
1: yeah, we're get I... Now you live
0: around Grenada, right there, and you uh, preach at the church there. And I've spoken to the church, and you have a wonderful group of people, and uh, your church is beautiful. And, but you love the turkey hunt, Brother Chris, and let's talk about turkey hunting, and we're going to talk about the Lord and all kinds of things throughout this show, but how long have you been turkey hunting? You know, I, I didn't start hunting at all until I was 30 years of age. Didn't have anybody in my family that did it, and a friend of mine was determined to take me deer hunting. And when I went deer hunting, I harvested a deer the first time I went, and I kind of got hooked. He said, if you like this, you got to try turkey hunting. And uh, that next spring, the spring of 1996, uh, I went out and got to hunt with some great hunters. And I learned a lot, but didn't do any good with them. And so I took the things they taught me later on in the season, I harvested two birds that first year, and I was hooked. <laughs> wow. So, so you're, you see, you started when you were 30 years old, and how old are you now, Brother Chris? Well, I know I look 29, but I'm, I'm 55. <laughs> I'm 50. I'm 55. So I've been and I and I've been really blessed, you know, uh-huh. especially with, with with turkeys and you know, to, to be able to hunt with people like you and you know, a lot of a lot of great hunters. If, if you want to learn, you can. And it's it's good to ask questions. It's good to talk about scenarios. It's good to just and just you know gather up all those experiences and let them lock it inside of you because you never know when you need to go to draw from those experiences for future hunts. So. I've always enjoyed our hunts together, too, Alex, big time. Yes, sir. we got to get you back up here this spring. Uh, the birds right now are really heading up up here in southern Missouri. Uh, what is your birds doing down there? And you successfully taking two big longbeards and you self-filmed them. Uh, was your birds hinged up or did they leave hens? us <sighs> no, the story? Both, both birds had hens with them, uh, and I just was able to get in the the proper setup. I was able to get in. A, the first place is a place I knew very well. The second place is a place I've only got to hunt like one other time before, and it was one of those kind of places that was just a real privilege, a special privilege from a guy who has a wonderful piece of property. But uh, both times, I came in with hens, and honestly, uh, they're still hens with gobblers now, which which it seems like, what I'm hearing from our different teams and here in Mississippi, it's, it seems like that maybe things were a little bit late. Um, you know, as far as our season's concerned, not late for them, but kind of late for us, you know. So they're still, they're still hands with them. Uh, the birds are not gobbling as much right now here, and I'm not really sure of, the, of why on that. I don't know we've had so much weather differential. It may be affecting them some. Yeah, it sounds like y'all are kind of delayed there big time. Yeah, i and speaking of storms, you guys have had some wicked weather coming through there last week, so I'm sure that's got to have messed your birds up up, up there. Yeah, man, we had a tornado. I heard it. I, I actually stepped outside the house, and I, I did something kind of unusual. I wouldn't encourage anybody else to do it, but it's just what I I do in a situation like that. I, I dedicated my house and the property to the Lord when when we first got it, and I stepped out on the porch and I was just praying and taking authority over the storm in Jesus' name, pleading for protection. Yes, I heard that thing go over. It sounded like a freight train, and it went over. It really went. It really didn't totally touch down anywhere in our city. But the winds of it blew down huge oak trees. Blew, did, a, did a lot of damage, but nobody was hurt, and nobody's life was taken in Grenada. And well, so thank I goodness. That yeah, thank goodness it, for that. Right. Well, certainly might have blew the turkey to Alabama, so that's not good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, do, you know how, do you know how the uh, turkey season's been going so far in Mississippi? What your kill numbers are? Is, you know if it's up or down from last year, last few years? I would. I'm going to. I'm going to say it. It it probably starts for locals. I don't know about that. the the out of state guys. I they kind of got messed up with the uh, with the way everything kind of went down with the right. COVID nineteen deal. Uh, but I'm going to say up. I know for me, you know, I've had a I've had a farm, but last year was very challenging for me. This year, it's like I you know basically when I've been able to go, it's it's been like it just it just really worked out really well. So I, I want to say probably. Maybe a little better, but I don't know the exact numbers. But Wayne, I'll find that out. Yeah, I am curious because it seems like uh, quite a few states. Uh, Redbone was just mentioning earlier. Arkansas is, is a horrible season. start to their season. Their numbers are way down, and even here in the Ozark, we know our numbers are going to be down because we just our bird numbers are down. Y- yeah, I think that's been the problem in Arkansas. I got friends. i actually hunted some in, in the Ouachita Mountains there yeah. in Arkansas. I hunted them two, three years ago, and. And uh, it's a place, man. That when it's right, it's like it's like where well, you guys live. When it's wrong, it sounds like Gobble Rama, you know. And yeah. <laughs> but but it's but honestly, it's I think I think predators uh, are the real issue in that part of of Arkansas. And and I think the hatches have just not been as good. It, how, would, would you say that's the case, maybe? And with, with y'all, or is it just um, older turkeys y'all dealing with, or just not as many two year olds, or what you think? I think we don't have a lot of two-year-olds, and I think we're dealing with a lot of old turkeys, but we've had bad hatches, and I think uh, there's a lot of factors, predators. I think there's probably more turkeys being killed, too, that's being tagged Then also, I think, the reason our predator numbers up is because there's a lot of clear-cutting going on in our area, and I think it can affect the amount of turkeys that may congregate in timbers. And what happens is the when they do these clear cuts, it creates thicker habitat, which is excellent for deer. It's great for nesting for turkeys, but also the, the predator numbers will, will increase on the clear cutting. Talk about your first gobbler. Uh, we have got about two minutes left here, I believe, in this segment. Talk about your first gobbler. You locate him in two minutes. We're going to take a break, and we're going to tell the strategy how you killed him. Uh, okay. When did you kill your first gobbler this year? What date? I killed him on March the twenty-first. March twenty-first. Uh, how many dollars yeah, was you hearing there? I was hearing, um, I was hearing actually two different birds in that section, and I'd actually seen them before season doing some scouting. They were to get them together. I decided to use up on them on the whole oiler, and I, I was able to watch them a little bit. But that morning, again, knowing the knowing the piece of property very well, knowing all the little logging roads the bird, but he was gobbling where I hoped he would be. That's always good, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, I was able to slip into a place and didn't realize just how close I was to hens. I found while I was in my hunting set up, I realized that there was a hen about forty yards right behind me. The low light allowed me to get in there and get set up. I was just up above him. There was a, um, a little food plot and a logging road. Beautiful hardwoods to my left, uh, hardwoods and, and some and some thin pines behind me. And so he had everything he could want, and I was the first one he answered. And, uh, and the hand behind me when he when he started to pitch down started talking easy. So I had everything was just was just pulling in my way. And he, he gobbled and gobbled and gobbled. And when he pitched down, he he put on the show and and came up through the food plot and and hallelujah! I had a little personal revival. <laughs> I, I act like a kid, man. You know, I, I'm a cool customer till so it's all said and done. Then I then I get the shakes, you know. And I get the, <laughs> and, uh, I, I love it, man. It's, it's nothing like it. He was he was a uh, right at 20 pounds and uh, inch spurs and uh, a nine inch beard. Wow! It looks so sound like you like standpipe. Y'all yeah. cool and calm till the shot goes. Give me a minute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Red Bone? You ready for some
1: of that uh, excitement? Uh, I am ready for that, some of that excitement, and, and I got a little story to tell you about that. Coming up after we uh, take a break, uh, we're we'll back. More American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge and his friends.
0: Hi, everybody. This is Aaron Tippin, and you're listening to my old buddy Alex Rutledge with American Roots Outdoors and good friends. Hey, what the way- American roots. Hi, everybody. This is Chris Owens with American Roots Outdoors. Welcome back. And we're talking turkey hunting. And I was just showing uh, about the first bird I was able to harvest this year. And I was talking about how shook up I got at the end of it. I <laughs> had to double check myself to make sure I, you know, I didn't leave, leave calls in the woods. And, oh man, it was just like you know, it's, there's nothing quite like it when you when you harvest a bird and you that have done it know what I'm talking about and it never gets old. It's got its own euphoria to it. And it's um it is addictive. But it's a good addiction. I've had some bad ones. I think I think I think this is this is a good one. And, and it was last year I I didn't get a bird in Mississippi. Um I got the bird I got last year was in Missouri with you, Alex. And it was just man, it was really good to to get uh, get a bird on on home ground, and, and, uh, and to be able to get more than one has been very special. I think I think what people got to take into uh, consideration is you're self filming yourself like I am, and it's a lot harder when you're trying to film and shoot the gobbler and call. You got to be very multitask. Let's touch on that. Yeah, you know exactly because there's there's. But very little margin for error from the turkey's perspective that you can afford to get by with and it's real easy to um, make mistakes from your perspective and you know really I, I'd, I'd be interested uh, alex for you to kind of share a little insight on how do you how do you set your camera when you're trying when you're trying to film like that i, I hope I'm not redirecting your question if i am I, I'm mainly interested in the way you do it because I know, I know. With, with me, it's uh, I try to have it. I shoot left-handed, so I try to have it just a little bit to my right. Some people, I think, put it between their legs, but I try to have it just a little bit to my right, where my screen is in front of me, and I've got a camo leafy cover that you gave me. You don't even remember, but you gave it to me like um, three or four years ago. I think three years ago, when you told me to always keep the camera covered and camouflage, mm-hmm. which is which is just good thinking. Mm-hmm. I think. I think I think that and, and the setup is key, but sometimes it's really hard, especially when it when it happens quick, to have that right set up. And you shared something with me the other day about having to make the choice to take that extra time to make sure you've got that right set up so that you don't get busted. You know, it's, but it's very it's a totally different game. Turkey hunting is challenging enough as it is, but for those who have never tried to film a turkey hunting, self film is. It changes everything, but it's rewarding when it comes together. What I do is I set my camera to the right, my right knee, and my arm is on the right side of the camera because I'm right-handed. If I was left-handed, I'd want my camera to my left side. If you got your camera to your left side, you can watch your screen. You can co- control it with your left hand because you're left-handed. If you you have your gun from your left shoulder to your right knee when you're shooting, all you got to do is reach over there which your screen will be on the other side, but that's what I I would recommend for you. However, mine's on the right side, and what I do when I set up, I initially already run it through my head. I've programmed myself. The gobbler comes up here. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to push to him, zoom into him. I'm going to follow him. My gun's going to be on my left knee, and I'm going to follow him in. He's going to get on the decoys. He's going to do his thing. I'm going to go and push to him, get a tight frame. Then I'm going to raise my gun, and I've got my camera screen to the right of me. And you can be looking to the left of you if it's on your left. You're left-handed. You can watch your screen and keep everything you need to move your left hand while your gun is to your shoulder with your right hand holding the forearm. You can zoom or whatever you need to do from there. But that's what I do, and that and I mentally go through it. You, Wayne, when you film, self-film, what you're going to do before it happens? Oh, I, I'm thinking about that whole thing on the way to my hunting spot, driving in that. Okay, I, you know, what do I got to do? Run through my checklist of how I got to get set up when I get the camp. When as soon as I sit down, what's the first thing I got to do? Where do I got to put my tripod? But Chris, I, I know being a left handed, that not saying left handers are handicapped, but it does handicap you when you're when you're filming because of the fact that the screen is on the left side of the camera. You know, it's unfortunate they don't make a right sided screen. Or left-handed people because uh, it uh, it would be a little difficult to look over the camera to try and see your screen is that the problem you kind of run into well I'm ambidextrous. so I'm you know I'm right-handed in some ways I'm left-handed in some ways in sports I shot a basketball left-handed kick football left-footed throw a football right-handed play golf right-handed so I shoot a bowl right-handed but I shoot a gun left-handed so I know that sounds Okay, <laughs> it's, you know it's just the way it's always been. So I don't know if that's a plus. Some people told me it was a gift, but it's you know you're right. But I I, I think as much as anything that I'm learning too it's like you 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 mentioned to me recently in a personal conversation, Alex, that 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 setup that, that you know the, the cover the background, considering all that. What you say mm-hmm. about that? Mm-hmm. Well, I I tell you before we jump to that. Chris, I've noticed over the just a couple of years of watching your footage how much better your stuff has gotten over the last couple of years. I My hat's off to you. Uh, if you can see me, I'm taking my hat off. <laughs> you know? well, thank uh, but, you. Uh, because you've come a, a long way, and that, that just goes with uh, telling everybody, you know, just because you struggle maybe in the beginning, because it is something new. Not everybody, you know, does it. Everybody's new with this once. And... Uh, but if you keep at it and you stay persistent, like with you, your stuff is coming such a long way and your footage now is, is fantastic and I love watching your stuff. You know, what? do we do a lot. Of, I do a lot of the other side of the camera video where I'm being filmed. I tell you one thing I have an appreciation for my camera personnel. And I hope that I'm easier to film than a wild turkey. <laughs> <aren't big bucks. laughs> yeah, Mike, you said you had a story to share with us that's similar to that.
1: Uh, well, my story is, is this. Uh, of course, I work through the week and I do, you know, mornings on the radio. So I get here about 4.15, 4.30 in the morning. And, and I don't get out of here until noon, 1 or 2 o'clock. So I don't get to hunt through the week. I've got to wait and hunt on the weekend. And uh, yesterday morning, Wednesday morning, we're recording on Thursday, Wednesday morning, uh, I'm, I'm on my Facebook up here in the studio, and I see the—I uh, won't mention their names—but uh, the the person that owns the farm where I turkey hunt post on Facebook saw five turkeys this morning while walking across the <laughs> walking Sorry. across our property, and I'm like, oh. "You gotta be kidding me!" So I sent her a oh, message. As said, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, exactly, and, and I'm, I sent her a message, and I said you know how bad that makes me feel that I'm stuck here in the studio and you're out there in the place where I turkey hunt seeing five gobblers running around? And she says, oh, that's not even the best of it. She said, I've actually took pictures of them here, and she sent me pictures of them. So oh, I'm, wow. And, I'm, you know, it's like rubbing, I think Wayne said a while ago, I told you all off the air, like rubbing salt in the wound. So I'm hoping those birds are still there this weekend. Uh, we'll wait and see, I guess. But, uh <laughs> Yeah, that's like your wife calling you when you're in the deer woods to saying, hey, there's an eight-point buck standing in the field about 100 yards from the house. You know, and, right. <laughs> and, and you've driven 30 miles and are sitting in a tree and you haven't seen a deer for three hours. Uh, kind of the same feeling. All right, guys, we need to take a break here. We'll be back. More American Roots Outdoors coming up in just a minute.
0: Hey, this is Eddie Salter, and you listen to American Roots and Outdoors with Alex Rutledge and friends. Welcome back to American Roots Outdoors. This is Wayne Locke. I'm in the home studio of Alex Rutledge. Mike Crace is in the big studio. He's staying uh, his more than six foot distance from us, more like 60 miles. (laughs) And uh, we have uh, Chris Olmsby from uh, Mississippi, Team ARO, with us on the phone also. Uh, Chris, in the last uh, segment, one of the things you had mentioned is uh, the COVID uh, affecting the uh, out-of-staters coming into Mississippi and doing their hunting and that and that's kind of across the nation obviously right now a travel restriction it's definitely hurting the uh the states with their their sales their uh tags and things like that but you know going back to this COVID thing it's got to be tough on everybody I mean if you had a plan a hunt planned and now you can't go I know a lady we had on the uh podcast at Nashville Helen Butt she was supposed to go to three different states and she had to cancel all of them because of the travel restrictions and uh, she's uh you know upset about that and not you know, not real happy, not mad, but you know it can be a little depressing in that. you got any words for the people who may be affected by this traveling? Well, you know, uh, I can relate to that. i I typically am traveling so much, you know I mean I don't think the problem in Mississippi was that people couldn't do it. I think they realized you know, they felt like they probably shouldn't do it uh, at that particular time, the first of our season. I don't think there was any stipulations at that particular time that would stop them. I think maybe concerns about what was happening and the uncertainty that everybody was dealing with. And I think, you know, that's, that's one of the big things, that there's, there's been so much uncertainty about this. And there's that school of thought that takes makes light of this and kind of takes it uh, and says it's no really big deal. And I understand the different views, the point of views, but the realities are, you know, this has been a real thing. Uh, and it's something that you're not bad if you're battling fear. But there is hope beyond the fear. And, you know, this is as much as we love to do this, as much as we love the time in the outdoors, this is not forever. This is just this is just a moment in time. It uh, doesn't make you feel any better at the moment. But, you know, I think we've had, uh, as far as a faith perspective, we've had an opportunity to have a great awakening. And to look at our lives and think about the things that matter most, like God first above all, and then time with family. You know, Wayne, you and I were talking personally recently about the importance of of family being together. And I know that's big time, big to you, based on all these family pictures that you posted. And by the way, Wayne might be the biggest city country boy I know. Uh, Makes, it, makes the makes the fancier. He's, he's like he's like the guy on Green Acres. You know, he's, he makes the fanciest chicken coop. It's it's a Cosmo Hall. But 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 you know uh, the the time with the time of gathering the family together. You know, we were too busy in, in the way culture was going before this happened in a lot of ways. But suddenly we had time, and we had we couldn't say I don't have the time. We had the time to be together as a family. And, to, and in some situations in some states, you know, a, a stay-home mandate, unless you were going to the grocery store, you've got to, you've got to stay home. And it's given us an opportunity to, to, to get close again if, if, if things have drifted. And I think there's positives that have come out of it. And you've got to look at things that way because you can see the glass half full or half empty. You can see the positives of the thing or you can only focus on the negative. We all hate the negative. And if we like the negative, something wrong with it. Right, but we can but we can come out of this negative time better. And you know, we have a can do Christ. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We live in a sometimes can't do world. Not everybody in the world feels that way, but the world it. sometimes says that. But with a with a can do attitude in Christ, we can find God in a different kind of a way. And come out of this better. Somebody's gonna come out of it better than the they went into it. And we
1: might as well be in those bodies. We might as well be in those people. You know, Chris, I, I, I've been talking on, on my radio show that uh, I think uh, that during this time, and, and Missouri's under stay at home order, and uh, Arkansas is not, but a lot of states are, and we have learned that there were a lot of things that we were taking for granted in our lives. And that was the ability just to hop in the car and go over and see the grandbabies or uh, go see our parents if they're still alive or to go to the grocery store, you know, just to spurt a moment because, you know, they really encourage you now just to go one person at a time instead of going. My wife and I like to go together. Uh, we really, there were a lot of things that we took for granted. Another one of those was going to church on Sunday morning or Sunday evening or, or you know, Wednesday evening and, and gathering with our friends to worship. Uh, those things having been taken away for the last four or five weeks, uh, I think we learned that, you know what, we better stop taking these things for granted and really learn to appreciate those things.
0: Absolutely. You know, I, I, uh, for, for all these weeks you now, at least probably it seemed like, I think you're accurate on that timeline for Mississippi as well, that we have done our, all our services as far as gatherings have been through Facebook Live mm-hmm. and through streaming. And, you know, I haven't been able to hug anybody in our church. We're a hugging church, a handshake and butt, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, one, one of the doctors uh, that uh, is a national influence said that he thinks it's a good idea for the handshake to never come back. And I understand where it's coming from, but I see it in a different way, you know, at the proper time, and hear my words, because I i don't believe in being in unwise in the name of faith, but at the proper time, I look forward to those regathering times. But I'm grateful at the same time for what we've had and what we've discovered that it's not just about going to church, as important as that is, because that's very biblical. Very biblical. But we're not just we're not just called to go to church, we're called to be the church. Yeah. And we have had the opportunity to be the church in a different kind of a way. No, not- that's a good thing. That's a good thing.
1: Yeah, and another, thing that's come out of this, another thing that's come out of this is uh, so many churches that were not doing Facebook Live services before this happened have been doing them now. And I think now they, they have found here's another avenue to reach our people that maybe aren't able to get out and go to church on Sunday. Uh, people that are shut-ins or not able to travel. Uh, yes, your, your thoughts on that? I mean it, it's another way that some churches have found they can, they can preach to their people.
0: Yeah, you know, for for years we were on local television here, and I've been privileged to do that in different parts of the country. And so, live stream became an outreach to us. But what's happened in the midst of this, y'all, is when this whole thing is over, we will have launched another church campus, but it's all online. And so, we of life is, is a multi-campus church now, mm-hmm. as a result of that. So there are those who, you know, I think I think if you ever get to be in a live atmosphere—and it's—and it's—it's a special place where God is moved by His spirit and and, and there's, there's joy and there's peace and there's hope. You love that connectivity. But there's also a group of people, some of them in other parts of the world. You don't know all the circumstances that people face, what they're going through, what their what their certain area uh, either it provides or limits them to. But we have this, you know, we because of the way the Lord's directed us to do with what we're doing, and way of life, God's allowed us to be ready for this time. So all the other time, behind the scenes, I'm just thinking we were doing outreach was also preparation for a crazy time like this that none of us have ever experienced. And we're living in this learning curve, you know, but we're coming out of it and I we're coming out of it more fruitful and more useful and more open. Um, some of our older people have really opened their mind to things that at one time they wouldn't have even considered. <laughs> I can't help but celebrate like them because change is not easy. You know, Brother Chris, I, I want to tell all the listeners who've never heard you preach, uh, you're an evangelist, as, as some may know, that's listening to the show. I want to encourage people to go to Chris's Facebook page and watch some of their services. But also, if you're a pastor and you want revival in your church, I encourage you to reach out to this man of God, Chris Owensby. I uh, rededicated my life under Chris Owensby in 1999. I'll never forget it, 8.23 p.m. on the evening, and uh, I rededicated my life. And we're very honored to have you on this team, Wayne and I and John and all of us. But we encourage you to book Chris Ornsby to speak at your church if you want revival. But we are at a crucial time right now where we've got to be in church and uh, or follow it on live streams, et cetera. We're being tested, and yes, we faith is everything. I One of the things, Chrissy, you had brought up is the uh, the fact that you're on Facebook and this is a whole new platform. Now, But what I like about it is when people are feeling depressed, let's say, you know, you, you did your, your speech on a Sunday morning, but they're feeling depressed on Tuesday, and they could just go back to your Facebook page, scroll back, and listen to your sermon to get them inspiration and bring them out of that depression. And uh, on that note, I know we're getting ready to uh, wrap things up on this. Yes, we are. And we're going to be heading to a bonus segment. Of course, the only way you can hear that bonus segment is to go to our podcast, subscribe, and please leave a review. And uh, Mike, go ahead and close
1: us out on this. All right, folks, that's going to wrap it up. And again, uh, go to uh, any of your any of your apps and uh, listen to the uh, the bonus segment. Uh, that's going to do it for this week's American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge and his friends. I'm Red Bull Mike Grace. Remember, when your roots run deep and strong, you never have to fear the wind.
0: So you never got to worry
1: what the wind Thank you for joining us for today's American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge. You can find us on Facebook. Look us up on the World Wide Web at AmericanRootsOutdoors.com. We'll be back again next week on this great radio station.
0: Hornady presents. Welcome back to American Roots Outdoors bonus segment. If you're listening for this segment, that means you have subscribed to our podcast and we welcome you and be sure at the end of this to leave us a review because that's what helps us out. Uh, Chris, we were talking about your first gobbler and man, I'm jealous, but I know you've got two, so let's, yeah. let's, let's yeah, Mississippi. I'm telling you. And I've gone through am <laughs> I'm I'm two years in withdrawals right now. My left eye twitches every now and then. Every time I hear a gobble in the distance, <laughs> I mean I heard a car door slam the other day. I wanted to gobble. Hey, have <laughs> been building chicken coops. City by chicken coops, everybody. You'll we got flower pants. flower pots and plants on the front porch of the chicken house. I've never seen it before in my life. And a red door that says, welcome. Yeah. (laughs) Kill my eggs. (laughs) That's cool. So tell us about this second gobbler. Well, you know, uh, my neighbor, who has a a really wonderful piece of property, very close to me, called me one day and said, Chris, he said, if you want to hunt, I've got an available day. And he's just, you know, he's really, really ticky about who he allows to hunt. And I didn't ask for it; It was just a, a blessing that came my way. And so I jumped on it like ugly on an ape, you know. It's a, it's a bit of an opportunity. And so on Monday morning, he, actually, that uh, the evening before, we went out late try to roost a bird. And he showed me some different places and things. And, and it just, you know, it was it was very apparent a lot of birds. And but the morning that I got out there, uh, the first couple of setups. I couldn't hear a bird. Then I heard one when he hit the ground. He shut up and didn't gobble anymore. So I started traveling and walking roads, and I got to the edge of a a big field that that went out, and it curved off to the left and to the right. Uh, I cut hard uh, with, I think it was with Evelyn Slate, cut hard. And he gobbled, I thought, maybe in the back of the pasture. There's a cypress swamp. And some cypress wood section that, that part of it was underwater, but the part, another part of it was was obviously uh, uh, coming up out of the water, connecting to the field. And he didn't he didn't gobble a lot, but every time he gobbled, he was coming closer. And you know, I I just knew he was going to come around the edge of the field. And I was working him with with Evelyn and with the E two fifty diaphragm, which is which is my personal call and show us as far as diaphragm calls. I like them all, they're fantastic. matter of fact, I heard some of the guys using the 150 and the 300, man, they sound so good. But uh, anyhow, he, he just, he kept he kept easing in, but he really wouldn't respond to anything if I didn't hit it hard. This was about eight, mm, this was between eight and about 820. And then uh, it got quiet for a while, and I wasn't sure if he was hung up or, or if the hands had drug him away. And finally, I cut again. He hammers it about 60 yards. I turn the camera uh, away from the field, and I turn it in the direction that he's coming. And he comes walking through some kind of thick stuff in the edge of the cypress swamp. And, but I, I, I knew it was a good bird, but I couldn't see his beard. So, you know, how, how that is, you've got to have a visible beard. In the Mississippi, it has to be at least a six-inch beard. And, of course, you want a mature the as well, obviously. So I kept thinking, strut, struck. Do something for me, <laughs> and uh, he finally came in a little closer. He sort of, he sort of half studied and acted like I saw the hand behind him. He acted like she was going to pull him away, and before he had the opportunity to be pulled away, uh, I gave him my headache. Praise the Lord, a quantity headache, I bet. Right, well, absolutely. He gave him a headache, hurt his feelings, and man, I want to have another revival. <laughs> Great. Well, you're, you're, you're sending a lot of these people up to the Lord a little uh, early this year, ain't you? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, man. You it got any out-of-state hunts this year, or, or what's going on with that? Say that one more time, Wayne. I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Uh, you have any plans for any out-of-state hunts? Well, I was uh, really w- wanting to come to Missouri. I mean, we'll just see how that all all that that all pans out. Uh, behind the Prophet, Alex it said something about getting me up there, so I'm going to take that as a as a hint. <laughs> There you so go, I, was, I was actually going to Ohio. didn't work out because of stipulations there and what have you. But it was mainly going to be Missouri and Ohio and, and Mississippi. Okay, Mississippi. Now, Ohio, I know, is lifting some of the restrictions on the uh, 30th of uh, April. So May 1st, some of the restrictions do come off. Uh, the Ohio season does go to the second week of May. And uh, the last two weeks of the season, uh, you can actually hunt uh, till sunset. So it does give you uh, more opportunity. And there's actually one zone, which is the area I hunted up there in Ashtabula County, goes to the third week of May. Uh, we get an extended week up there because we have to start a week later because of the way the hatchings are with the cold front coming off the lake there and the snow. They actually uh, changed the season for just a couple of the counties up there. Uh, so it's extended uh, people's hunting ability. You actually get five weeks depending on where in the state of Ohio you're hunting. Wow. And I'm going to tell you, I've had the privilege of hunting Ohio several years it is some it's some tremendous hunting oh yeah so, yeah and of course the thunder chickens of missouri man they sound like the pterodactyls they gobble so hard. <laughs> <laughs> i love it yeah i was blessed to be able to hunt ashtabula county because that's the uh, number one county in ohio for uh, turkeys and i've been wow. there i've hunted for the last seven or maybe eight years and um that is guaranteed, bro. You, you find them sweet spots no matter what property you're on. Like you said, if you have a future property and you know it well, like you did, you know what logging roads to hit and stuff like that, um, you know, you're pretty much guaranteed a bird every year if the birds cooperate. Well, I last year I was up there and I, I, I swung in the mist two different times. I was for years I never missed a turkey. But beware well unless you say you cannot. <laughs> right. I don't think I don't think I ever said I couldn't, but what I did, I, I was trying to. Uh, it was ethical shots. I'm just trying to maneuver and make certain shots. I don't know what happened, but uh, he won. He flew off safe. He wasn't. It wasn't the bullet. It was. It was. It was the guy holding the gun. Well, tell you what, brother Chris, we appreciate you being on the show. Appreciate what you do for American Roots Outdoors as the director of, of ministry for us, and uh, we just want you to know that uh, uh, what you do. For this world and for Christianity, we appreciate it, man.
1: And, and uh,
0: appreciate, it. appreciate we want you to close in prayer during this segment of the show. we want you you give us some final thoughts here on wrapping up the show to all the turkey hunters and people that's listening out there, and close with a prayer for everybody. Okay, I'll be glad to. Thank you for the opportunity. Um, I was in a low place when I was 15 years of age. I was going through a very difficult time, and I'll, I'll never forget this because it's so impacted my life. A man who was an influence in my life looked at me. He said, Chris, I know you're living in some really uncertain time, but Jesus is the master of all uncertainty. And I, that, that went off on me inside of me. I was a kid. But I really was living in uncertain times. I didn't know what I needed to do at those given moments in my life because there was some real crisis happening in my personal life. But when he told me that Jesus is the master of all uncertainty, the Holy Spirit witnessed that to my heart. And I I began to see things in a different way. I didn't give my life to the Lord yet, but that never left my life. It would be three years later from that time until I gave my my life to Jesus. That was nobody's fault but my own. But I want to say to the different ones listening to me that there are so many uncertain circumstances that you're dealing with in your life right now. I know a lot of things would try to make you feel like everything's come unraveled, unravel, but Jesus is the master of all uncertainty. And I believe that you're going to be able to recover. I believe his, his, his certainty and his health is going to help you come through these times. And I want to pray right now for all of you. Father, in Jesus' name, well, I'm asking you to protect these precious people. And I'm asking you, dear God, to reveal yourself to them. And I would pray, dear Lord, that you would give us the wisdom that you did Moses and the people of God in Egypt when you told them to put the blood of the Lamb on the doorpost and the lintels of their door. And when the death angel passed over, when he saw the blood, he had to pass over. Father, I pray that every person that belongs to you as a Christ follower will apply by faith the blood of Jesus over the door of their home and their family and their life. And for those that don't know you yet, that listen to this podcast, that are quality people, but they've not yet vowed they need to, that they need to, and they know in their heart they need to. Lord, I ask you, dear Lord, to just reveal yourself to them in a way that they they get a grasp of how wonderful that you are. Bless them and help them and strengthen them and encourage them, I pray, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. 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 sun ain't up they ain't down we'll be waiting when they hit the ground big time coming it's what we do from a whippoorwill to an old louse who sitting still till it's time to shoot american roots take you do a holler take you do a feed.